Mary Verabi had a salivated sleeter. Mary Verabi had a richer sleeter. Chaverim, Talmidim, and members of the Tumbish Bokas. Chazal taught us in the Medrash and in somewhat different form in Shas. Kishem she'en partufehen shoven zelazer kach ein daton shava. Just as people's faces differ from each other, so is the da'at of every person different from that of every other person. And da'at is meant here not only as opinions, but also in the sense of personalities. As on the Rambam writes about Hilchos Deus, where really it means a study of character and personality. The world created by HaKadosh Baruch Hu is remarkably rich, not only in its natural diversity, but also in its human variety. And if this is true of ordinary human beings, then Allah has come of a kama, how much more so is it true for Tamidei Chachamim, whose deus, in both meanings, that of intellectual outlook and character attributes, are formed by the Torah HaKadosha. For just as Shivim Panim La Torah, just as there is, there is no homogeneous single approach to Torah, there are 70 different ways of approaching Torah, so is Shivim Panim La Lomde Torah, so is there a rich variety of character types when it comes to Tamidei Chachamim, amongst whom we therefore must not expect a monolithic personality. While individual traits are clearly marked in halacha as desirable or undesirable, such as Claude Abrius is desirable, Nakima Natira is undesirable, but there is no one character type or personality structure that is inherently superior or more prevalent than any other. In the realm of Torah, there is a plethora of personalities, a pluralism of types, and this makes the world of Tamidei Chachamim far more interesting and vital than if the Torah personalities were uniform, homogeneous, monochromatic. The two great Rashi Yeshiva, whom we mourn and memorialize today, were in many ways directly opposed to each other in personality structure, in cast of mind, in the form of their interpersonal relationships. Yet these two characterological antonyms were unified not only in the friendship they felt for each other, in the derecheres they had for each other, but in their uncompromising commitment to Torah and their dedication both to the task of Harbosah for Torah and to our yeshiva. Rabbi Avram Aaron Shaskis Zechet of Rocha, a man who was restrained, ironic, introverted, Yibriukim Gorelik Zechet of Rocha, stormy, ironic, extroverted. And each used his own particular Tuchunayz HaNefesh for the purpose of furthering his own Avedat Hashem. And we at the yeshiva are fortunate that we have these types. Hashem Oiz Lamo Yitain, the Rabbanu Shalom gave us the Oiz, the power, the aggressiveness 
Avare Biduchem, and Hashem Yevorech Es Amo Vashalom. He gave us the peaceful, serene character of Rabbi Maran. The Vashashaskis, the Nefesh Adina, had his character molded by both nature and nurture. His father's stepfather was the famous Rebitzchak Blaza, known in yeshiva circles as Rebitzchala Petroburgus Lechatzadek of Rocha, one of the three main students of Rebitzchala Salantazal, the founder of Musa. And the ideology of Musa is teaching of inwardness, of anova, of introspection, of cheshben nefesh became a part of Rav Shatkes's natural environment. It was, it was in the air that he breathed. It saturated the environment in which he thrived. Rav Shatkes revered, as who did not, his illustrious father, Ramesha Shatkes, Zechat Sadek of Rocha, the Lomjerov. I have the Zechus, when I was a youngster of 19 years old here at Yeshiva, of having him as my Rosh Yeshiva. He was a Goen Olam, a man of encyclopedic Bikiyas and intellectual acuity and lumdus, absent-minded and with a sense of humor, a man of patriarchal dignity and handsomeness. Mishel Rav Moshe Shatskis Zatzal Lairar Hadar Hatara Miyamov. His very appearance, let alone his conduct and his knowledge and his teaching, he spoke the majesty of Torah, and the Lomjerov had a profound effect on raising his beloved son to a life of godless Torah. Tavshaskis learned in the Mir and went with them into Golis to Shanghai, and with the help of Rabaran Kutlazatzal, he came to the United States and joined his father here as one of the Rashi Yeshiva at our Yeshiva, Yeshiva Srabenu Yisrak al teaching Torah guiding Talmidim for 40 years. He married the daughter of a well-known, well-known great Rav, Rav Chaim Karv Zatzal, the Rosh Hashiva of Chicago, and has two sons, of whom he and we are very proud, Yechiel, one of our own Mosmachim, now a businessman in England, and a man who is in Ulzeik Petzach Sibah, and Shaul, a Talmud Chacham who learned in various yeshivas both Hamidei Chachamim and were the heirs of their family tradition. Avshatskis was one of the finest examples I ever had the Zuchus to know of how Torah shapes the personality, refines the attributes, and sanctifies one's Selim Elohim. There are some people who teach Torah, who describe for a Talmud the ideal traits that Torah should ultimately develop in us but it remains a lifelong struggle for them and for others. Whereas a gifted, blessed few succeed in achieving that goal almost at once, almost, it would seem, effort effortlessly, and in an almost uncomplicated way, they not only teach, they live the midos that the Torah seeks to develop in us. Rav Amar, Yisrael, that the mitzvahs were given to Am Yisrael to purify, to temper 
our character, and our personality. Some achieve this status fairly quickly and easily. Others struggle. And those of us, those of you, Talmidim, who've learned Mesech the Shabbos, you know that one of the Molochists is Tzidur for Tzatolda, and Tzidur for tempering of metal is done by Eishuvamayim. It goes through fire and then through cold water. And Litzvah Pahena Sabri is to temper and refine one's character means they have to struggle and go through fire and water to arrive at it with pain and suffering. But it remains the same goal for everybody, no matter how you achieve it. Purity, goodness, and the nobility of Midas Tovot. The Rambam in Perik Vav of Shemayna Prokim poses the following problem. Which is more valuable? Which is greater? Hechosid Hamaula or Two types. One is the Chosid Hamaula, the man of excellent saintliness, of a, of a pure character, or the man who, in order to attain it, has to suppress his Yetzirah, has to learn to master his own Ruach, his own Nefesh, his own impulses. The Ramam tells us that this matter apparently was in dispute that the Greek philosophers taught that the Chosid Hamaula is the favored type, whereas Chachmi Yisrael taught that Akhoivei Shesitzlo is the favored type. For instance, when they said that Kol HaGodel Mechavedo Yitzvay Godel HaMenu, and when they taught us the Fum Tzad Agra, that the struggle to attain something, the greater the struggle, the greater the Sakhar or the reward. We seem to have two opinions in conflict with each other. But the Rambam taught that there is no conflict, there is no controversy, there is no machlokis. Rather, both agree to the following, that those, in those elements of character and midot that we can define as mitzvot sikhliot, as rational, as things that haspechel mechayevosam, that even if the Torah didn't give them, we might understand their value. And these generally are bedodo machavero, isolashenhara, in those areas, the Chosid Ama'ula is a greater type than the Kovesh Yisro. We have got to train ourselves so that our moral, ethical responses, Benodom Lachavero and Mitzvah Sichlios, become almost automatic. Whereas when it comes to Mitzvah Shimios, to those things that are, that are Mitzvahs, and without the Mitzvah we wouldn't understand or know them, such as Macholot Asuros. In this case, and most of these are Benodim Lamakim, in this case, one should not say, I can't stand non-kosher food, I cannot stand Macholot Asuras. But on the country, Efshi the Efshi. But what can I do if Sivani Habore and I'm not permitted? In this case, Hakovesh Eshitzro is better than the Chosidamu'ullah. If I had to find a title for Rashaskis, I would say that to me he represented a Chosid. Hamu'ula, the superb man of Hasidus in the sense of saintliness. He was, if you will, a Torah gentleman of the most refined moral instincts and ethical disposition. Hillel Seitlin was a man, extraordinary man, that Hasidus taught not only Torah Min HaShemayim, but Torah Shehi Shemayim. Not only does Torah come in Hashemayim, 
but that in Torah we find Shemayim. It's an identity. Torah itself is Shemayim. I would say, paraphrasing him, the identical thing about the Avram Aaron Shaskis, the Kremlin of Rocha. He not only taught Torah, but he was a teaching of Torah. He was himself a Hefresh of Torah in teaching how Torah is Soreif et Habrias, how it refines people, how it elevates them, how it purifies them. He was in all ways and always a Mu'urav Habrias, a pleasant, undemanding man, cheerful, a welcome smile on his lips, sensitive to the feelings of others, considerate, modest, a man who symbolized Torah Shal Chesed. Truly he was a Chosid Hamaula. But we must be very careful not to oversimplify the Rambam's typology. The Kovesh Yitzroy and Moshe Ben may have a longer, more open and obvious battle for self-control inwardly in order to attain the goal. But a Chosid Hamaula is not necessarily one who is born a saint and has no problems in his life. He too must struggle and suffer. Only that his struggle of the Chosid Hamaula is concealed rather than revealed. His cry of anguish is silenced. The emotional ravages of his wrestling match with his Yetzirah, disguised behind a quiet manner and a smiling visage. But the prize of such chassidus, of such saintliness, is attained only at the cost of eternal vigilance, self-inspection, and ceaseless self-control. Rashaskis was a great Pashtun, simple, straightforward, consistent, and apparently uncomplicated. But it is enormously difficult to live with such ease. Even a born Chassid Hamaullah must exercise great depth of understanding to become such an Ish Pashut, such a Pashtun, to attain such great simplicity. For example, the model of a Pashtun amongst the Avaisa Ummah is clearly Yitzchak Avinu. Simple. Listened to his father when it came to an Akedah, listened to his father when it came to a Shidduch, didn't argue, had to be protected by mother and father. In all ways, he seemed so clear, so simple, almost to the point of passivity. And yet the Medrash and Bereshis Rabbah and the Kabbalah identify Yitzchak Avinu with a fifth of the ten spirits, with Gvura rather than with Chesed. Not, and Gvura means not the strength. Uh, in the ordinary sense of physical power, of determination, of aggressiveness, but rather the strength of tinsum, of being able to restrain and curb and control, to exercise self-restraint. Gvura in this sense means to be able to turn your strength inwards, such as a Zehu Gibar Yisro. Real Gvura is when I restrain my Yetzer and when I practice it upon my own neshama and my own self. Such gvura is not easy to come by. You know, for an Amaoris, it's easy to be plain and simple. But by Pashtun, I mean someone who is simple in the outward result of his inner dynamics. Simple, not a simpleton. 
For a Talmud Chacham, whose intellectual, mental life is spent mastering the complexities of a sugya, transversing the tortuous byways and pathways and alleyways of halachic reasoning and discourse, to be a Pashtun is a heroic achievement. For such a result, the Talmud Chacham needs enormous moral resources of Gvura to curb his natural tendencies towards the complicated, the complex, the subtle, the barely detected nuance. It means he has to perceive and reflect the broad outlines of character that outwardly appear as such an easy and simple and happy combination such as is borne by the Chassid Hama'ula. Indeed, in order to achieve such gvura, one must practice the ability not to see, not to hear, not to remember, and not to perceive. Let me give you an example. One of the greatest thinkers in the last generations, B'nai Yisafcha, says that when Chazal taught us in Pirkei Yavis, have they done as kol ha'odam l'kafzchut? If your friend does something and you have two ways of judging him, either you are realistic and attribute it to malice and bad motives, or you take the attitude, I'll find a zechut for him, then you must always judge him according to zechut, the better way, the, be the way that is more attractive to him, that is fairer to him. And the B'nai Yisafka says, where does Chazal know this? Where does it issue from? And he says, it's a part of a halachta bedrochav. There's a great mitzvah that's the foundation of all mitzvah, the halachta bedrochav, that, that we must go in the ways of the Kaddish Baruch Hu. It's the imitation of a Kaddish Baruch Hu. And how is this an imitation of a Kaddish Baruch Hu? And he says, when it comes to a Kaddish Baruch Hu, we know that he sees everything, God knows everything that will happen. Hakoel Sofui, everything is known in advance. So the Chachmi Yameyab and I am asked, and it's a great question that is asked by, in every generation, if a Kaddish Baruch Hu knows everything that is going to happen in advance, where do we have Bechir HaChavshis? How can we act freely if the Rabbanu moved me from the moment of Breshis and before how I'm going to act? Where is my freedom? And many of the G'dayla Yameyab and I am the Chachmi Yisrael answer that yes, we have Bechir HaChavshis and a Kaddish Baruch Hu HaKoyl Tzofli but a Kaddish Baruch Hu voluntarily is metzamtzim yidiyasai. He voluntarily restricts his own foreknowledge to allow us place to be free, to allow us to live a life of v'acharta v'achayim where we can make the choice between ta'ara v'tayv. So a Kaddish Baruch Hu purposely curbs his own yidiyah to allow us the place for human existence. And in the same way, says the B'nai Yisasra, if we look at our friends, and we know most people, you don't have to be a post-Freudian to understand that. Most people are motivated by unworthy impulses. And if you look at man in his fullness, and you have to judge his actions, the judgment will come out to be a difficult and harsh one. Nevertheless, it means that we have to practice self-restraint even in our knowledge in order to be done as kola adam lekafzchut. And this is the essence of Pashtus, to know how to pull back, how not to look at certain parts of a, another person's character, and how to achieve that simplicity. Rav Shaskis was a great London. He was raised in a diet of Tzachoshna, Rabki Vega, and Rabchaim, and he practiced that Gevura. 
His pashtas was powerful and heroic. It was deliberate, and it was exercised so often until it became part of him very, his very self. No wonder that he left such a legacy of love and devotion in his own family and amongst his chavedim and his talmidim. We admired him. We cherished him. He was loyal to us, especially to our yeshiva. For 40 years, he resisted the temptation of moving away from this neighborhood because he wanted not only to teach in the Bismedish, but to daven in the Bismedish. He was a chassid ha His memory will always be a source of bracha to all of us. Zecher tzadik levracha. Rav Yeruchim Garalik, Zecher tzadik levracha, appeared at all times to be engaged in some kind of titanic inner struggle. He was a cauldron of activity, of movement, in perpetual motion. He was a man of striking, sometimes startling contradictions. He appeared to be moving in different directions almost simultaneously. A man of changing moods, of profound dialectical tensions. Even while he was at all times an Isha Emes, a man of unshakable integrity. It appears to me that the most tragic contradiction in the life of Rabbi Rucham was his death. For over a year, 15 months I believe, he was immobilized, hovering in or near coma, a lingering suffering of paralysis. And what a stark, terrible contrast to his whole life which was one of activity and movement, so that when you came to Ribeduchem, you could almost feel a halo of charged electricity all about him. When David HaMelech eulogized Avner, who was the general of Shaul's forces, who defected from Shaul in order to help David HaMelech establish his Malucha, and David received Avner with open arms and with friendship, and later, a little later, the same Avner was assassinated by David's own general, Yoav, in the dark of night. We read Ishmuel Bey's, Vayakrinein HaMelechus Avner, Vayomar, David eulogized, he gave a kina for Avner, and he said, Hakamois Novol Yamus Avner, should Avner die like any ordinary person? Yodecha lo asuros, v'raglecha lo emechushtayim hugoshu. Your hands were not chained, and your feet were not fettered in chains. V'yosifu kala'am lifkaisalav. And when the Melech David gave that kina, the people continued to bewail and to cry over Avner. Avner, David was saying, a military hero. He should have died in char leading a charge of his troops at the head of his army or captured by the enemy, his hands and his feet in chains before a, a loud, ranting public, but dying a hero, not unsuspectingly mugged in the dark of night when he came unarmed. And that was part of the tragedy of Avner. And so, too, a man of the Bereshit's qualities. One would have expected that his Ptita should have come. Everyone has to pass away. No one lives forever. But appropriate for a Beruchim would have been 
It should come in the middle of delivering a great shear while he was arguing with Arambam, settling scores with Arashbah, trying to challenge Arambam, or while delivering a blistering and polemical speech, and he was a brilliant speaker and a brilliant polemicist. Yet such was not to be. Yodecha loa sudos, v'raglecha lola mechashtayim hugashu. Indeed, for all of us, v'yesifu kol ha'om lifkaisalav, his passing will always be a source of great grief to all of us. What was his background? It's terribly important for all our Talmidim to know who Rebbeduchim was, to know what you're going to miss. For a while, Rav Gorelick's parents lived in the United States since the 20s or 30s. His father was a well-known Rav in the Bronx, and the Bronx was an important Jewish neighborhood. But during this time, Rabbi Rucham elected to stay in Europe and to learn in the yeshivas of Europe. He married shortly after the outbreak of World War II, the daughter of an illustrious family in Vilna. He escaped from the Nazis, traveled in Siberia and Japan, and he came to the United States shortly before Pearl Harbor. He came together with the late of Neuch Bornstein, A number of yeshivas bid for their services, but the two of them elected to come to our yeshiva, to Yeshiva Shreben Yisra Kachonan in El Ol of Toshi in Gimel 
and he kept to his opinions even if sometimes he was a minority of one. As a result, his classes were, to say the least, interesting, challenging, scintillating. He possessed a sharp sense of humor and often turned it inward into a self-mocking element because he did not take himself too seriously. And this was a source of his great personal charm, his overwhelming shame. But despite his critical and sometimes contentious approach, his constant restlessness, Rizalukum was enormously dedicated to his Hamidim, so much so that clearly he was a great Rashishira. Allow me to explain by means of a truly amazing and astounding Gemara. The Gemara and Bochus in Pei devotes two or three full blocks to the interpretation of dreams. And in Daphne's Zion and we read the following incredible passage. The Gemara tells us, Hanichnas ba'adgam ba'chalon nasa Whoever dreams that he is coming into an agam, a marsh, a, a kind of muddy pool, he will become a Rosh Hashidah. Liyar, not a Rosh of Nekala. If his dream is that he's coming into a forest, then that means he will become not a Rosh Hashidah, but a Rosh of Nekala, which is also an Ebbet, but at a lower level. And the Gemara tells us, indeed, that this occurred. La Pope, La Pune, La Yeshua, Chazu Chalma. These two Amaroim, La Pope and La Pune, La Yeshua, had a dream, each one. The Papa, the Ayali Agma Nasara Shishida, the Papa who dreamed that he is going into an Agam, to a marsh, became a Rashishida, and Ahunabira Dav Yeshua, the Ayali Yar, he dreamt he's coming into a forest, Nasara Shivnekala. Then the Gemara continues, Ikadamri, the second opinion, Tarvayu, the Agma Ayali, that both the Papa and Ahunabira Dav Yeshua dreamt they were coming into an Agam. Indeed, you can't even become a race of Nekala without dreaming of an Adam. Then what is the difference between a race of and a race of Nekala? So the Gemara says, Ella, that our Papa, the Tali Tabla, not a race of Papa, who dreamt that he is coming into the Adam with a Tabla, a Tabla is a drum or a tambourine hanging on, on his neck, he became a race of Shiva. That would have been a Yeshua, the Tali Tabla, who came into a who dreamt that he is coming into a into an agam, so without a tavla hanging on his neck, not the race of Naikala, he merely became a race for the Naikala. Clearly this is an incredible Gemara. And we must turn to Rashi who offers us some assistance. And Rashi says that an agam is a shallow pool, a marsh which has conim gedolim uktanim, that has reeds, some large and some small. And they are all smukhenzelas there. They are close to one another. There's really no place to move in that Adam. You can't swim in it. And that is a similar Rosh because a Rosh has all kinds of pupils, some larger, some smaller, some more competent, some less competent, all of whom come to hear Rosh And therefore, if you dream of an Adam, A yard has trees, all of which are 
large and imposing. And this is a sign of someone whose Talmudim are all on his level. They're all tall, they're all big, they're all important. And Adosh B'nai Kala is not Adosh Yeshiva. He is a lower level who is Kapus, who is subservient to the Rosh Yeshiva. His task is to chaver, to review the shear of the Rosh Yeshiva with the better boys. And therefore, they are like a forest in the sense that they are all homogeneous on a similar level, and they're not smukhenzela, they're their place to move. But still, that's only the best, so that's a yard. But still problems remain. The Chahora, the first piece of the Gemara which distinguishes between an Agam and a Yar, is difficult to understand, because if Azashi tells us the dream is a symbol or the disguise for one's basic ambitions, the ambitions that he sometimes doesn't even admit to himself that lie deep in his heart and in his mind, then one would believe that the dream of going into a yard, into a forest, is greater than an Adam. After all, an Adam is a place of shallow waters, muddy, dirty. There's no place to swim because you're surrounded by reeds. You can't even swim in that kind of lake. A yard, imagine the ambition to walk into a yard to make a pathway in the forest, to be surrounded by giant birches. This is a great dream. And yet Chazal said that the opposite is the case. Whoever has a dream that he wants to master a forest will become a Rebbe, but only a Rosh B'nai Kala. And he will have Tamidim Rodi Bale Shirkoma, race 30 trees of Tamidim. But nevertheless, he will remain subservient to a Rosh Hashiva. Because the real Rosh Hashiva is not one who dreams of greatness for himself, of only having the challenge of first-rate minds, of being able to ignore and do away with lesser Talmudim who trouble him and don't have the same intellectual problems that he has. But the real Rosh Hashiva is one who will go into the Agam, who is willing to have to give up the opportunity of swimming in the Yamatomas in an open lake or in an ocean, having to struggle rather of swimming in the Yamatomas of a mere Adam, but at the same time has his cunning, his reeds, his Talmudim surrounding him, and has the ability to raise them and develop them and enhance them and improve them, and to give them the Mayim Chayim of the Yamatomas. Our students must know this. And I, I diverge from a hesed to say something that I think all of our Rashi would want our Talmudim to know. You are here primarily for the purpose of becoming great B'nai Torah. And sometimes I hear Talmudim tell me, yes, I understand it's important, but I don't have talent. I don't have talent. I don't have a Gomorrah cup. And I have two answers. Number one, maybe you're wrong. You've got to try. And second, even if you are wrong, You've got to try anyway. You've got to try Gomorrah, and if you can't go through Achleinim and Eishenim, at least Gomorrah and Achleinim. And if you have that mind that can't even take that, there's so much more to Torah too. Then become a great Bucky and Chumish and Achleinim and Bandev and Ezzes for Anuchizkuri. Then go through Yehuda Al-Lazi and go through Rebbeinu Yain and go through and go through Rebbeinu Bachai and go through all of the Sephiroth Musa. There's no excuse for not becoming great in Torah. You may not be a big read, but you have to be a small read that grew to the largest extent. And when you come to the Ola Ma'emes, the 120 Kiyar, and you'll be asked to Kabbat to eat them with Torah, there'll be no excuse. I didn't think I had the talent. 
and LSATs and MCATs and Kaplan's will never be an excuse because it is the absolute obligation of every Jew to go as far as he can and as great as he can, even if he knows he won't be the tallest tree in the forest or the tallest reed in the marsh. And this is what Chazal tells us about the function of Russia Yeshiva. Their sacred mission is not only to meet and develop Gedalim who already are Gedalim, who, who have obvious potential of Gedalim, but to be close to every Talmud, large and small, and to come to a corner, a lead that maybe doesn't want to learn as much and doesn't have as much talent, but to evoke out of him all the greatness that he does have and let him live a life of Torah to the best of his ability because one can't ask for more than the very best. That's the first teacher. And the second one tells us, the Ika Diyamri, that the dream of a Yar isn't a dream at all. It's meaningless. Even a race color has the dream of coming to an Adam. There's never an excuse for neglecting a poor Talmud and demanding only, only the very best. Even a race color has to have an Adam. And he has to, he has to be able to curb his own intellectual prowess in order to be able to develop a poor Talmud. But in this way is a Rashi Shiva greater than a Rashi Kala. That a Rashi Kala comes into a class devoted to Swiss Talmudim, accepting all Talmudim, the slower as well as the faster, the smaller as well as the larger. But he doesn't involve himself enough in the life of the Talmud. The Rashi Shiva, as opposed to the Rashi Kala, carries a drum with him. He carries a means of alarming the student, of waking him up, of stirring him, of getting him moving, not allowing him to sleep of shocking him, of demanding of him that he live up to the highest potential, not only of Talmud Torah, but also of Emes and of manners and their heritage. Our, our Yerushim is a kind of Rocha. He dreamed of an Agam. He was not a selfish man. His dream was of an Agam. He was a Rishishiva with a Tavla as well. Yerushim was a disturber of the peace. He was a challenger of the status quo. As soon as he felt that you and the you could be a Talmud, it could be a colleague, it could be someone older than himself, as soon as he felt that you were smug and contented, he banged on his drum and he shocked you out of your lethargy and complacency and self-confidence and self-satisfaction. If you heard anything that sounded like a sham, something bogus, something false, then he pounded on his tabla until you were forced to listen. Sometimes in response to a weaker but sincere Talmud, the shorter and more feeble reads in the marsh of his classroom, he only taps lightly on his tava, a light, gentle, encouraging beat that evoked out of a Talmud, self-confidence, and a willingness to learn. But frankly, the tava of Rabbi Rukham usually sounded harsher tones, alarm, sarcasm, Criticism, anger, provocation, indignation, outrage, argumentation. But never, never did Yerushim bang on his tavla, on his drum, in order to expand his own ego or to draw to attention to himself. He was utterly devoted. The overtones of his tavla were always the same Shemayim, and its undertones were part of a love song, the music of Ahava, Prashan Yisbarach, for a Torah, for his own Talmudim. Toward the end of his days, Bibi Rukham felt that our yeshiva had succeeded. His efforts and his efforts vindicated 
far beyond his early dreams, his fears, and even his skepticism. Often during the past seven years, and I must tell you we had a very warm relationship, I genuinely loved and cherished the man, even though he and I did not always see the same view on the same issues. And he told me often, Rabban, ich bin die Yeshiva. I am deeply loyal to our Yeshiva. And indeed he was. And those who cavalierly speak of him without mentioning his profound association and identification with our Yeshiva deny what he believed and he felt and he experienced. And they callously erase what he creatively invested in two generations of our Talmudim. It's an injustice to him. He would never have tolerated it. He was okay to raise a large family of children and grandchildren, Linde Tertolishma, Marbite Torah, in our yeshiva, he had a profound impact on the lives of hundreds and hundreds of young men. Indeed, most of our own that yeshiva, who are Muslim of our yeshiva, were his Talmudim and acknowledged him as their rebbe and had their lives shaped by him. The Birukim elevated all of us with a column, his dream of entering the Adam, surrounded by the human wreaths of diverse sizes and talents, raising them to a life of Torah by liberally using the tavla of his effervescent personality. His dream came true, and we are all the richer for it. He was a true Rashishiva. In the piyot that many of us recite from Maitari Shabbos, right before Havdalah, not all of us know it, I happen to say it every Maitari Shabbos, the piyot about Elio Anothi, and the concluding passage is, Ashrei, Lucky is he who saw Leo and Achaloim, who gave him Shalom and returned his greeting. Happy, happy is he who pondered and deeply understood and sympathized with Rabbi Rukham's great column. Happy is he who extended a helping hand in greeting and assistance to this great Marvid Torah. And happiest of all, Amisha Hechazir those Talmudim who challenged by Rabbi and his Tavla had the wisdom and the courage to respond to him, to grow and flourish in Torah Vira Shemayim because of him. Yehezichrei Baruch. Two great Marvid Torah have departed from us arrested yeshiva, impoverished, and bereaved. But they will not only not be forgotten, they will continue to exercise their healing influence, and Torah is healing on all of us. I'll conclude with this. A bit inappropriate for two such committed misnachim, but Torah is Torah, and it's a beautiful thought. It comes to us from the Aftarov, the Ayah of Yisrael, who asks about the first Pasuk in Yeshua, the first several words. Vayehi achrei Moshe Eved Hashem. It was after Moshe, the Eved Hashem passed away. And he asks, Moshe was an Eved Hashem while he was alive? Abdus means work, servitude, obedience, shrikhus, carrying out a message. But once a man is nifta, 
There's no longer any mitzvahs. There are no longer avdus, there's shlichus, no message. What is the Tanakh called Moshe Ebed Hashem Achreimot? And he answers with a chazal that most of us know, all of us know. In the Zayt HaBrocha, towards the end of his life, we read, Vayar Moshe Me'avot Me'av Elhan Avod Osh HaTisga HaKadosh Baruch Hu takes Moshe Rabbeinu to the top of the mountain in Eber HaYarding. Vayarayu HaShem is Kol HaOret when it shows them all of Eretz Yisrael from the north to the south, from the east to the west, all of it. At Soar, the Yemar Hashem Elav, those to Oretz Hashem Ishbati, the Avraham, the Yitzhak, the Yaakov, the Lemar, the Zaracha, the Etnena, and the Sikha, the Necha, the Shemal, the Savar. this is the land that I promised to Avraham and Yitzhak and Yaakov, Lemar, that I will give it to their descendants. Look at it, because they're not going to come there. And Rashi says, what does it mean, Lamer, Lezabacher, And therefore, even after Amos, it's Moshe Evedatem. For our tactic, the Chosid Amorullah, for our Goralic, the special Rashishiva, remain after Yashem, even after Amosam. They have a task to fulfill, and we, all of us, who love them and admire them and respect them and miss them so terribly, we charge them to report back, to report back to the covenant of, to the Gifrit Al-Khanan, whose name we bear, to Dr. Revel, to Dr. Dalkin, who led the yeshiva, to the Meshach Eili, the Chodot of Racha, to the Meshach Salavetik Zal, to all the Gedolim, who invested so much in us, that what they worked for and dreamt of and symbolized and hoped for has a theme. It has been and is and will be realized that we, their spiritual children, their disciples, their Talmudim, are determined to continue our yeshiva on the highest level of Talmud Torah and Yerashamayim, enhanced and not contradicted by Mada al that their heritage is our high resolve but we shall always remain a preeminent Mekayim Torah and raise generations upon generations of Talmidei Chachamim and Yirei Shemayim. And in this manner, the Gestalt of Abtaskit and Abgarelik will remain alive with us and continue to remain alive for years and years to come because Sadiqim after Mishosom Mikroel Chaim. Please remain seated for a moment. We will close with the mole. I want to note the presence here of Rebbe Shatskis, the wonderful children. Rav Yechiel, who came from London, and the Rav Shol, and also Rav Shol's Kala. Rav Shol just became a chassan. In this moment of great, great sadness, 
Do what you might as well to. Of course, I want to that it's the relic. That high measure, a shishiva, a sharatara, a abba, a shishiva, South Forsberg, Zicha Moshe, South Forsberg, Yeshiva built by a Rav Yerelech. Revit is Alman, and also of Nomi Yerelech. Shulamit Yerelech was here. She was the most heroic figure of the last 15 months together with her mother. The last one of Rabbi Relic's outstanding Talmudim, Mr. Kinnarik, who was one of the Mitsuyonei HaYeshiva. Yeshiva will leave the order. 